0: everyone i'm jay and i am here with a special guest um the first thing that i'd like to kind of get to the bottom of is it linnea or linnea
1: linnea it's such a tough yeah it's such a tough name normally there's an accent above the e but alas (laughs) (laughs) You and... can never get that on any of the government IDs or anything. So I just <laughs> take into spelling it without it, I suppose.
0: Now is that um is that just like a kind of like a pseudonym, kind of pen name that you go by?
1: Oh no, definitely my legal name. I've oh, okay, I've always cool. kind of written under my name. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Um and just to just to kind of like set off clarifications for everyone here, since we are a queer podcast, let's uh get the pronouns uh sorted out. So oh, what are your uh, preferred pronouns? That's...
1: Absolutely. Uh my pronouns tend to be she they, although more people end up going for the she and I'm very okay. <laughs> awesome.
0: Um so uh Linnea is here with us today because uh she wrote a book. And it's a cool book. It's a little uh it's a cool little novella about um what it well the title of it is is What Makes a Witch. And it very much um seeks to answer that question, uh, in this in this story. And so um I I stumbled I forget even how I think you posted on Twitter. I think you posted yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, I
1: think it was just a random Twitter post. So I was yeah. like I'm trying to find advance reviews or anything and then I ran into you and I this was just such a cool opportunity.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um and so like really uh it it is a fictional book and it is um anthropomorphic literature or furry, however, you know, however you interpret that um and i and it, previously if you're a if you're a listener on the show um i make no effort to hide the fact that i'm a big old furry and i love my anthropomorphic literature <laughs> and i write some myself so um when i saw that you had written a book about um like first the title it was like what makes a witch and then uh you were saying how it was kind of like a like a queer story as well i was like well okay tell me more <laughs> and um and that's kind of really? how that's kind of how we uh that's kind of how we linked up um funnily enough i had actually i was going to submit to that anthology that you're editing but i kind of for a
1: game show network <laughs> yeah the fairy
0: game show network but i had like run out of time and then the story wasn't going the way i wanted and it was just like yeah. ah. So, but uh, I'm really oh, glad that... Um, don't
1: worry about that uh, secret for the podcast listeners. I am set to edit another anthology next year, but that's all I'm allowed to say about it till it's announced. Sweet.
0: sweet. Um, <laughs> cool. So I'm going to take a, a a stab in the dark here, and I'm going to assume that you are a queer person.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I wonder, wonder how you figured that out. But mm. yes, definitely <laughs> queer
0: um so do you kind of want to like share a little bit about yourself maybe like you know childhood teen years coming out what it was like for you where you grew up things like that
1: oh absolutely well let's see here I grew up in uh Baraboo Wisconsin a town that is uh was very unfortunately on the national news recently um just suffice it (laughs) suffice it to say that not everyone in Baraboo is phenomenal in terms of community but Mm. A major thing for me growing up was honestly, I mean, maybe there was a GSA or something in town, but I didn't have the vocabulary even to understand a lot of what was going on with me. As I was growing up, I kept experiencing more problems and issues with my body and lots of confusion, and I just basically had no idea where to channel it. So I kept being told, you know, in ways I had, was maybe not a troubled child, you know mm. what I mean? But yeah, there's there was something going on. I'd end mm. up in the counselor's office every few months, like there's something going on and we can't figure out what it is, but no one gave me the words to say what it was, so I right. couldn't figure it out. And then I ran across um, (laughs) a book just at complete random at the library uh, called uh, She's Not the Man I Married, which is not the best trans literature out there. I'm not going to lie, but it is definitely... Uh, it, it definitely was a solid foundation for me, because as I started reading this, I mean, this is about, it was written by a wife who, their uh, their now wife, they're still very much unhappy together, yay, uh, was awesome. starting to transition, and they were trying to work through that, and I just, I the back cover didn't explain that very thoroughly, but something in my mind said, this would be really interesting to read, and hmm. around that same Yes, and around that same time, it's almost like my brain knew something. Around that same time, I uh, ran into an online web comic. Oh man, back in the big web comics heyday, <laughs> uh, called uh, Venus Envy. Okay. Um And I start reading through this comic, and I go, "Oh, that character is me." <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> that moment when you're oh, like, the... "Oh, it me."
1: <laughs> yeah, the the book made so much more sense at that point. So I just I went over it just like crazy, and I'm like this explains everything that's been going on for years I finally had words to put to it because yeah just up until then I just I really didn't know I just knew that I was confused and having a really tough time and that was it there was no one trans at my school and like I said my school wasn't terrible but it wasn't the most super affirming kind of a place either Mm -hmm. so it wasn't so I just I had no resources, which to be fair, it's it's part of why I wrote the book. I wanted it so that maybe people as they grew up or something would be able to find something instead of having to wait till adulthood like I did.
0: Yeah. And um, not to get into the book exactly right now, um, but the the way you write it is very it's um it's not too complicated, but that's a good thing is is what I really enjoyed about it is the language wasn't terribly complicated and it doesn't gatekeep people who, you know, maybe don't have um, that advanced of a reading skill. And so I thought like that would be, it's a really good story for younger people, especially because, you know, it's not, it's not a, it's not a difficult read, which I thought was really cool.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that was a general part of it. I wanted something that people could essentially, you know, it's a novella. You can read this in a day if you really want to. Like, that's not yeah. a problem. Or I did, if actually. If you only can read a chapter <laughs> a night, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. this is something you could pick up and read. So even, like, someone who is younger or queer could just go up to their parents and be like, hey, this is a book you should read because I, I feel things when I read this. Because mm-hmm. I just, I mean, that just, it came so much from my history just because, again, I I didn't have words for it. And, like, You talked about like the coming out process and stuff, and that was just such a big thing because I tried to and I'd always thought my family in general was very accepting. And for the most part, people were okay, but it was just a lot of confusion. Mm-hmm. especially at first and like I I didn't even know how to have that conversation so I figure, you know having something that could bridge that gap might be very helpful because it's much easier than trying to get everyone at the time for me it was on a big video call so I could talk to the whole family at once and see oh, how that boy. went.
0: oh yeah gosh.
1: that was <laughs> that was a questionable call although for the most part most people in my family were pretty great and the ones that aren't well we don't run into them much anymore as I, I know that it's a sad thing, but I, I still do at least have some very positive people in my family. My sisters were amazing. My mom was just there for me the whole time. And other than that, I mean, it's just it's been interesting from there. It's been. I, I, I always
0: love to hear that when people have a a, a decent, you know, sort of coming out experience, because so many there's so many stories out there of how of how it uh, can go terribly wrong.
1: Oh, absolutely, and I mean, to be totally fair, of course, I have family that I, I just don't get to talk mm-hmm. to anymore. There's plenty bad too, and I I know that I'm incredibly fortunate to have some family that does have my back. But you know, I mean, I'm I'm a parent myself now, and everything too. So like, oh. look, for all the queer listeners out there, if you need a mom, I'm, I'll listen, okay? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I super understand that lonely feeling sometimes. It's tough. Like, I I know that I'm very fortunate to have
0: that. That's awesome. So, um, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm just curious. Oh,
1: sure. I'm uh, 27. Oh, okay. my goodness. All right. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm 29, so we're actually not too far apart there.
1: Oh, well, there we go. Yeah. And, That's cool. Uh, I mean, in, in terms of the queer history, I mean, I've been transitioning now for about eight years, and, okay. <laughs> which is a wild thing in itself. It's been eight years, and I'm still learning so much about myself through all this. You know, it's a never-ending journey
0: it really is i i've only been on t for maybe coming up on 2 years and it's just it's a bizarre bizarre thing just to watch yourself kind of evolve and and change for the better you know what i mean it's like you know everything is like That's for cool. a good reason it's a it's a it's a wild ride being a being a queer person for sure so in terms of maybe i don't maybe coping or something like that when did uh when did writing kind of, it's of enter your life
1: very basic definition That's so it's an interesting autoimmune question. so i guess another big yes, part of my life identity knocked is, me off my feet i, have I suddenly a couldn't walk severe i couldn't like i think terrible i suppose a lot of people get this, people this and recover harder quite amazingly i had a great i was in about the a third a grade time, but but i suddenly woke up and i wasn't able to walk fortunately when you're a little younger yeah not very normal puberty it really with some of your nerves as you're trying to grow and it causes some permanent problems for a lot of people. Uh, and essentially at the before that i was uh I was a pretty much a star young hockey player getting invited to like the camps and everything, like you have a future in sports, you mm-hmm. know jock, and then mm-hmm. suddenly, yes, you're probably never playing sports again. And so I literally just didn't know what to do with myself after a while, like I was just kind of getting bored and a teacher, you know, sometimes teachers can really change your life, but a teacher basically told me about this poetry contest for young kids that happened in Wisconsin, and they were like, I want you to just try to enter this just write whatever you want. And of course, I was young and going through a well, we'll call it the my tomboy phase of my life. So of course, (laughs) poetry was far too girly for me, but I sat down and wrote a poem. And it uh, I got to go to the little actual like convention of writers. It was picked as one of the best ones. Wow. And then after that, I uh, won best
0: poem submitted for the year.
1: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so I was awesome. like, Oh, oops, am I accidentally good
0: at this? And yeah, then I so won- you took to it very naturally, it seems.
1: Yeah, it was, it just came as something like out of nowhere that I was like, I I don't even want to do this. And then I went on to win that award two times in a row afterwards. <laughs> so it was just kind of like, oh, I, I think I like writing. I, I literally never would have learned about that, that passion that I had without this disability. So I mean, it. I mean, everyone knows disabilities aren't always fun, but mm-hmm. I am living a super happy life. And if that's what it took to get me engaged with this thing now that is like a huge part of my life, I am so happy for it.
0: Sort of a little bit of that like uh, silver lining kind of situation.
1: Uh, absolutely. I- I've been told that I'm sometimes sickeningly positive, but I mean, rough stuff keeps happening in my life and I'd rather face it with a smile when I can. Mm-hmm. I-, I know that's not always possible for everybody, but... I I tried to do it to a fault I suppose.
0: Hmm. So in conju- so what what's interesting about um people who are in the furry fandom they also tend to be queer and they tend to kind of be the uh, the different ones, right? So I'm curious when uh so when did when did that part of you start to, you know, manifest and evolve?
1: Oh, that was oh gosh, that's a wonderful story um so <laughs> in my times before I was writing fiction mm-hmm. i I wrote a lot of articles and things like that, and I worked in the competitive gaming community for a very long time okay uh, <laughs> i I was known as Smash Caps back then for anyone Smash who's Caps. curious, I know for some reason, some people seem to remember that name, which still surprises me to this day but I wrote a lot about the uh, Super Smash Brothers community especially, and I just happened to go to the world's largest Smash Brothers tournament, the year that it has had the same convention center as a furry convention.
0: <gasps> oh, which one?
1: Uh, let me see. That was Genesis 4 and FurCon. It was the year they had the cafe theme. I sit there and I look at my badges for both of them. I have a big Furcon. display on the wall.
0: What state is that? What city? What state?
1: Uh, California.
0: California. Okay, okay.
1: Yeah, uh, that... Yeah, that one's out in California. There, It was it was very interesting because, I mean, everyone was like, oh, gosh, we're sharing the venue with furries. And, I mean, this was <laughs> ago in the video game community, so people had some pretty bad stereotypes. But, like, a Just few like of the... Uh,
0: pre-Sonic Fox, I guess.
1: <laughs> oh, very much, yes. Um, huh, uh, oh, my gosh. I was actually years before Sonic Fox. I <laughs> Again, yeah, I have a whole story about how I met him, too. It was, uh, gosh, but um, to keep on focus... Um, <laughs> I uh I show up at this convention and we see the convention schedule and I hear that they're hosting a Smash Brothers tournament over at the convention as well. Which I thought, you know, was ironic considering literally a world record breaking, like the largest tournament of all time is happening right next door and here's the little furry convention tournament.
0: Right, and they're having their own, you know.
1: Yeah, and it's like I I didn't I didn't have any like things specifically against furries by any means. Like again, I knew a lot of the game players kind of stereotypes, but Mm -hmm. I just was like, you know, I'm gonna take this lighthearted. These people are obviously here to have fun, just like guy I'm whatever and i Mm -hmm. threw something up they're joking hey would you like the professional writer to come over and cover your smash brothers tournament
0: and they're probably like fuck yeah
1: (laughs) yes the chair of the con hunts me down the chair of the con yes the chair like it wasn't even just a random person like the chair finds me and says here's your pass to come in for the saturday oh shit absolutely free we're not going to tail you like we would normal media which back then that was pretty common you know when the news network showed Mm -hmm. up or anything Yeah, And he said, we're not going to tell you. I just want you after you write about our Smash tournament, please do that. And I'm like, yes, this is going to, I mean, you can't help it. This is going to read like hotcakes. People are going to be like, what, you wrote about the furry tournament? So after (laughs) that, he's like, can you write an article as well just telling the honest experience that you had at the furry convention to all of your gaming friends? And of course, I agreed. And that article is still up. Uh, let's see her. I think it's called um, Our Fuzzy Neighbors or fuzzy something like neighbors. that on com for anyone who's interested because it tells the whole story. But essentially, I was hooked for life. The people were incredibly kind. The tournament was wonderful, too. There was legitimate talent there. But even after that, everyone got these whispers going around that one of the video game people is here at the furry convention. <laughs> so I got I was suddenly messaged by someone saying, hey, would you like to try on a fursuit?
0: Oh, so my god. I've
1: ever seen furries in my life. I'm invited to a room, get to play some furry cards against humanity a little bit. So I'm learning all of these furry jokes and names that I'd never heard of before in an evening, which was, of course, interesting. And then uh, they're like, OK, let's get you in this fursuit. And they take me to the fursuit rave. And <laughs> I... Like after that, you know, like I had reported on the tournament and done stuff the rest of the weekend. And after that, I'm like, I I think I'm doing this for life now. This was the <laughs> most fun I've had in forever. And from there, a bunch of the, like a lot of the tournament players and stuff, there were several of them who were secret furries back then and not so secret furries now, mm-hmm. but a lot of them started reaching out and being like, so this is how a persona's made. And like all of that kind of thing. And I just kind of became a furry from there. And since then, it's just, it was at such a perfect time because this was right around when I started transition. Like I hadn't told anyone yet. I was
0: just starting mm-hmm. hormones.
1: And then I come into this super queer and affirming community and- it was exactly what I needed in my life at that particular moment.
0: That is so funny that that's the way that it happened for you. Cause I seriously thought that I was the only one. Um, so how I got into the fandom was a, uh, a friend of mine, you know, long, long time friend from high school. I said to him, I was like, Hey, I want to go to a con. And he's like, all right well i'm a furry so let's go to anthrocon like one of the biggest conventions and i'm in (laughs) philadelphia so pittsburgh's only six hours away so we booked bus tickets and grabbed a hotel and i had no clue what the hell i was getting into and i was like instantly converted like that that whole week like that weekend was just the most fun that i've ever had you know doing and it was the first convention i ever went to and it was the first furry con that i ever went to and yeah, I was uh, I was sold. I was sold ever since. <laughs> yeah, so oh that's just so funny. Yeah.
1: You just get in that super positive environment, and I see why you wanted me to write the article because there was basically no way for me to not come back and say, "Yeah, everything y'all have been saying about furries is wrong. This is an amazing community." Like. Yeah. Because it just was. Everyone was so kind and fun. And again, someone's like, let's put you in a fursuit. I'd never seen a fursuit like other than in pictures (laughs) in my life. And all of a sudden I'm running around in one. Like that was just that was just such a like open arms gesture to be like, Hey, you are absolutely welcome here. We're gonna show you everything there is to offer. And that was just it was just incredible I I still have my badge from that convention I hang it up on my display and the the folks at that con were so amazing years later I'm like I didn't realize that this would be like my furry birth I wish I had bought a t-shirt or something
0: right like and something to like me- remember <laughs>
1: They sent me T-shirts that they had from that year still in storage for absolutely free. Oh, shit. That's... They remembered They remembered what I wrote and they were like, we're going to send these to you. So I have one that I wear and one that goes in a frame. It's just a positive memory.
0: That's just such a wholesome, like, feel-good story. That is so good. Wow. I see,
1: all these years later, still so kind and accepting. And I just, I saw a community doing that and I was like, dang, I I just wanted to be a part of that. It was mm-hmm. so cool just so much love in practice there i suppose
0: and and for and even for all the twitter drama that exists it's still it's still amazing like once you're at the con like all that twitter bullshit goes out the window (laughs) like i've realized now you know it's uh, just it's so good yeah it's, so, it's
1: such a tough thing because there is so much important stuff going on but it does it does get so exhausting after a time but once the conventions are back again you know we'll all get to enjoy each other's company
0: exactly i think i think we, we just we have too much time in our own heads right now we need to we need to get out there and uh talk to each other when when it's safe to um yeah so kind of getting into the subject of the book and what you wrote about so you you wrote about uh, witchcraft and magic so are you actually a um like a practicing witch or interest in the occult anything like that
1: that's honestly an excellent question i know that everyone jokes that teenagers have a wicca phase or whatever but like <laughs> honestly i when i was a teenager i ran into that and i was just fascinated of course uh in the end like some of the mystical didn't settle with me well but some things just kind of stuck with me for life i mean i have always just loved nature and the outdoors and things like celebrating the equinox like just made more sense in my head like this is a beautiful natural event like wow isn't this amazing that Mm -hmm. this weird cosmic coincidence that we have the exact same amount of hours in a day of like daylight and nighttime and all these kinds of things like that kind of stuff has stuck with me forever. And I absolutely love, in general, the occult and all kinds of stuff like that. I've studied things immensely from tarot cards to just deeper stuff. Because all of it is just this magical, wonderful world that even if I'm not dig- dug deep into it always personally, it's such a wonderful thing. And just to be honest, anyone else who I've ever met who calls himself a witch or practices magic have all just been also incredible people. So I'm, I'm not about to snub anybody because mm-hmm. like, I see people doing so many positive things through that. It's wonderful.
0: So you kind of, um, so you have like an interest in it. So you wouldn't call yourself like a, like, would you, would you call yourself a witch or would you just say like you're witch adjacent or you just have like, you have interests?
1: Witch adjacent seems like a a great way to probably put it. I, I definitely can't say I'm a practicing witch at the moment, but so many things that come from it are things that just always were fascinating and wonderful to me. So I, I'm definitely, I've definitely maintained that interest over the years
0: that's cool that's cool um so drawing from your your queer background you're interested in writing that you're a furry and you're you know witch adjacent um where where what was the aha moment for this story that you wrote and do you want to give a little like a little uh synopsis of the story without giving too much away obviously
1: Oh sure, here I'll 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 do the blur breed because hey, I mean yeah. honestly it probably does it well. Greer is a young rat thrown into a cruel world. Living on the streets, he finds sanctuary with Mistress Addison, a witch and pow- a witch and enemy of the Grand Coven. Though only women can control the power of the ley lines, Mistress Addison defies those rules and agrees to take the young rat on as her apprentice. Starting his journey, Greer finds himself learning more about his own identity than how to cast spells. The general overview for everyone. <laughs> and I, I suppose in general, part of what inspired this book, I read a book by um, an author called Molly Metroid. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a pen name. I don't know necessarily, but they, uh, they wrote a book called Tally the Witch, and it was just about a transgender witch. And the, I loved the story so absolutely much. But there was a the the only thing that I could say was a problem with it, which really wasn't a problem. Is essentially, there was just the, the moment of, oh, you're trans. That's totally fine. And I'm like, that's actually really affirming and wonderful. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to see a story that was like that, but that actually showed the journey towards figuring that out. We got like a chapter to maybe figure that out for the character in that book. I wanted I wanted that to be the story in a way. So mm-hmm. I said, okay, it's time to have more trans witches be in a story and. I saw at the time a publishing company was looking for a very specific um, publishing call for these little books that are so small they can fit in a pants pocket thing, and I'm like, I'm going to write this. And then by pure luck, uh, another company was accepting novellas at the time, and I tossed it their way just in case. And (laughs) Weasel Press is the one who ended up actually picking up the book. I'm glad that I tossed it to them just in case because they've been incredible now. Yeah. but that, that was like a large reason of why I, I wanted to write it I saw that book and I'm like this is wonderful I just wish I got to, I it was almost like I wish I had a prologue and I'm like I'll just write a story that's a prologue just you know oh, like not well, with now yeah, yeah it's like not with the characters from the book but with a different character entirely and that was just it was just kind of steamrolled from there I, I wrote it faster than i've written most other things in my life and had it ready to edit and send in and i was just like yeah this i I had such a good feeling about it at the time and i suppose seeing it published now it makes sense
0: so um the story that you wrote now so what makes a witch this is a this is considered the prologue to a larger story like a larger world that you've created
1: Definitely. Um, From here, there there are definitely plans for sequels. I know that so many writers do that, but it it was actually rather funny. Like at first, I thought I just kind of had this story and this might be it. And then, of course, I I read it to my daughter, who I dedicated the book to. Everyone can go aw now, but that's. (laughs) I I read it to her, and she said, "I want more." And so I said, "Okay, that absolutely means I have to write more. Like that means I know I'm doing good. This draft is solid." And then um, another friend of mine. Uh, discuss. I mean, as the intro to the book discusses, only women can use magic, essentially. So they said, what about if someone's non-binary? And I said, that's the sequel.
0: So, Um, okay, well, that was one of my questions. (laughs)
1: uh, Absolutely. Yes. Um, The ways I, I think you'll see through the book for people who read it, hopefully it's not too spoilery that we essentially use magic as gender in the book. They're very connected and it's a way to discuss gender in a different form. So the essentially, the sequel's planned out for it now. It looks like it'll be a trilogy, because everyone loves those, but <laughs> it looks like it'll be a trilogy essentially exploring um, certain stages of identity in one, and then more stages in the next, just because I still want to keep them short and accessible and all for everybody and hopefully make things easier.
0: Okay, yeah, so yeah that was my next question. I was like, is it going to be like a series of like small novellas, or are you planning on like a, a, a longer more in-depth novel
1: that's a very tough one because i i was hoping essentially that we'd have two other novellas probably a little longer than the first the first one ended up being short essentially because again i was writing it for such a specific market and even some of the advanced reviews i have to admit have said we really wish it was longer, (laughs) which is a compliment, (laughs) but at the same time, I wish I'd have made it longer. So it's it's a valid criticism, but uh, I essentially was like, okay, we have two more novellas and at worst, eventually, we can cram them all into one big book so everyone can do the big long read if they want to but then for now we have these short accessible stories that people can go through and I've been I guess the way I've been marketing it or telling people it's for like middle grade to young adult readers or any queer readers who are children at heart and just want to enjoy a good short story you know
0: I actually um I read it um I have about a 45 minute commute each way um on mass transit to work and so I read it I read like most of it on the way to work, and then I finished the rest of it on my way home from work, and 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 that was my first thought. I was like, oh damn, I really wish there was more, but not like in a bad way. I was just like, damn, like I want to know, like, well, what happens next? You know, it's always that that question. And um, and I thought it was just me because I just naturally read very fast. It's just how I've always been, and I'm like, curse my ability to read so damn fast. <laughs> but but no, this um, is definitely,
1: yeah yeah this is definitely expected. I mean, for anyone else who has work commutes, there will be an audio book. It's just working its way into being approved for Audible and all awesome. that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, like that's not too much further than an hour. Of course, that's with a professional reader and everything, but yeah. it's not that much longer than that it's it's not a long read it can I mean it can be long if you only want to read a little bit at a time but I know the next one will be slightly longer I know so many trilogies or books series end up doing that essentially the first book is rather short and then you build into something bigger I of course I didn't intend this at the time I thought well I don't think my story got accepted by these two publishers I'll probably start rewriting and Mm. then like make it a long book and then suddenly it was accepted and I'm like okay wonderful so I guess the longer version will end up being the sequel, <laughs> like just because I think that set up so quickly, and it's it's funny too because even the first chapter in the book was actually an extended version of the first original chapter that the editor was kind enough to let me put in to oh, make it cool. not to make it even just a little bit longer. <laughs> so. Eventually setting up the details for that sequel so that we have more of a world to build in. And I I really do hope if people enjoy this, there will absolutely be more. And for people with lots of different gender identities or anything else, believe me, we will get to you in the stories. A lot of it too is just making sure that we find people who can... uh, like, I, I know that I'm a part of the queer community, but I, I like to get beta readers and stuff like that who are parts mm-hmm. of the specific characters I'm writing because I don't want to misrepresent people. So it's just it's just a time-taking process to make sure I get these other characters written correctly.
0: So in terms of, I guess these are more of the... Uh, these are the questions that I have because I'm also a writer, so I'm just very curious about, like, other writers' process and inspiration and, you know, like, kind of what went into it. So did you... um Absolutely. What what kind of sources did you did you draw from as inspiration or research for the for the system of magic that you kind of portray? And from 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 looking at it from my perspective, just as just a reader of fiction and someone who actually does um practice witchcraft and magic, um, it is very um it, it feels very uh traditional witchcraft. It feels very rooted in sort of that wildness of nature. It's not very ceremonial, which I thought um which i really liked i really liked that a lot the the fact that they they kind of tap into the the they they tap into the ley lines um i just i really enjoyed the your system of magic and i was curious what was the uh did you do any research into it or you just kind of were like hey this is what i want to do
1: there were there was some research put into it. Of course, some of the stuff with ley lines does very directly go with things that I saw in Tally the Witch and other um, another part of it. Just truth be told, when I was very young, I had an anime that I very much loved called Outlaw Star. Mm. Um, everyone says it was the ripoff Cowboy Bebop, but I, I still have a it has a place in my heart to this day <laughs> and one of the things that was actually involved in there were these ley lines that are essentially where the energy flowing from the different planets and universe. And when I saw like, okay, how am I going to do magic? And I was like, well, that ley line thing is pretty good. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I could like, I I could take it even from this further concept that I already knew. I'm like, okay, I think this is where it's going to start. The how magic worked in general, like how basically how would magic present, be it elementally or anything else, was something essentially that I wanted to sit down and then try to figure out. That was like a really tough one. And before the final draft of the book came out, we made small changes, Um, like at one point in the book, one of the characters was able to essentially see the ley lines and we changed that. And you'll find out why in the sequel, probably Or, or is that a teaser? But like, or eventually I sat down and said, if we want to keep this going, like, I, I do need to actually plot out this magic system a lot better. So by the final draft, we kind of had a better idea on what was going on. And the, the editors were definitely awesome, awesome in helping with that. I had a couple different people editing and reading through and trying to brainstorm ideas. One yeah. of my editors is uh, quite literally, like, uh, by gender. So we, we oh. got to discuss so much, like, if magic is gendered, how does this work? And so from there, we uh, we kind of figured out a basis for the world where essentially people could draw upon things. And depending on their connection with magic or, of course, gender in this case, they could mm-hmm. do different things.
0: Yeah, and, and you're going through Weasel Press. And from what I understand, Weas- Weasel run by a queer person. I'm not sure of their pronouns, but um, Weasel is a an is Queer person, yeah.
1: He's uh, he's dating said bi gender editor, Thurston how Oh yeah, Thurston. Okay, I didn't know Thurston now they're affianced.
0: Oh, cool, cool. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know Thurston was uh bi gender, but that that is definitely good to know. I follow them both on Twitter, and so you know,
1: (laughs) they're both they're both wonderful people. And yeah, I know that Weasel has been wanting to take this approach where they want to publish more things by disabled and queer authors and things like that. And it's it was so cool to kind of be one of the first things in that process of doing so.
0: So why did you decide to go the furry route? Because you didn't, because to tell this kind of story, you didn't have to, they could be humans, you know, like, so why did you decide to go, to go this route?
1: Absolutely. And, um, I mean, some people, if, if they've looked me up online or whatever they may see, yes, I'm technically the president of the Furry Writers Guild. So of course I write furry fiction, but it's not all I've written. I have plenty of things published in the human space, essentially. So Mm -hmm. part of and I essentially went with animals to start was A, I knew that there would be some young readers running into this and that's just always has a wonderful appeal for people. Yeah, it <laughs> does. Mean, all of these children's series from the warrior series to Animorphs Animals i was just gonna exciting.
0: say i was a huge animorphs kid and i think i would still read them <laughs> if i had those oh, books absolutely
1: still. they are all f- available for free online through the author's website <gasps> anyone who no please feel free to yes please feel free to binge read they're offered by her it's not a pirating thing oh, absolutely shit.
0: all right i'm gonna especially
1: because with. their daughter is trans and that particular That's author right. is incredibly yeah. trans inclusive Yeah, definitely uh, pick that one up and (laughs) give it another read-through because it's wonderful, but I, I looked at that and it was just like, these animal characters will be easy to identify with, and part of me was also looking at it as, if I write this as a human, If someone's reading this who was like me and didn't maybe entirely understand where they were coming from yet on gender, it might be too on the nose. It might be easier to look at this character and go, this is an animal person. This isn't necessarily me, of course, but I'm having these feelings. Mm. More of a gentle nudge and introduction towards this. And then from there, I was able to uh, kind of create a species caste system of sorts, which, of course, will, as I say over and over again, will be explored more in the sequel probably. But... Like, I was able to kind of create a world that sets our main character on this big journey where they had to go and quite literally go on a big epic journey of exploring themselves.
0: Yeah, that was actually another one of my questions, because you mentioned that the species and the caste system. So um, uh, generally, I, I guess you would say that your species determines your social status in the world that you've built
1: absolutely for the most part most of the species that will be introduced not just in this book but in others um the highest end of species are cats and of course we have a black cat as the main head witch of the grand coven which is mm-hmm. i know a bit of witching stereotype but you know sometimes we play with things a little bit yeah it works but um part of that was because most of the other animal species essentially were not carnivores and the ones that are are not necessarily obligate carnivores ah. so we set up a society where quite literally teeth and claws are kind of on top for a reason and through the the rest of the series we'll get to meet a couple other species and things like that too but part of the reason i specifically made our main character a rat is because they are not exactly obligate carnivores and they can very much bite back if they feel like it and i thought that that would be quite symbolic and of course we take a character like a rat like let's face it we all have our stereotypes in our heads about mm-hmm. rats and things two and show like them coming into their own and doing something awesome. It was, I mean, it's some kind of very on-the-nose symbolism, let's be fair, but from there it was just kind of there. Like there's there's no way you read this and not get what we're trying to go for. And yeah. From there it was trying to figure out the other characters. Like uh or may our main witch being a ferret was just kind of for fun. I wanted to make a uh I, I hint at it a little in the book, but I wanted to essentially she has a very thick Scottish accent and essentially we have nomadic scottish ferrets in uh this particular world so i wanted <laughs> i wanted I, I wanted to make sure that you know there's so much high fantasy that focuses on europe and does whatever else and i'm like i i don't want to pull up a bunch of stereotypical stuff like you would always see dwarves are like this and elves are like this or this thing is like this like i, I didn't want that and again in more in the next book of course but like i, I would like la- i wanted to just take a look at like societies don't have to be this like eurocentric thing that we have decided they could be whatever and yeah. hopefully, I mean, hopefully that will, again, come up a ton yeah. in the sequel, but I mean, oh, hopefully people will get to see that through the writing, like <laughs> Scottish ferrets, right? I mean, who knew? Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, I loved that, actually. I loved um, Addison, Mistress Addison's um, very thick Scottish accent, because it actually made me slow down reading. To, to read it and I'm like okay so what is she saying here you know <laughs> just like I it would one of
1: those, it's been one of those things that either people absolutely adore or they're like I gosh I wish I could read this easier and I don't know <laughs> what to do because it's one of my daughter's favorite parts because I'll read it and try to do the accent so I I'm sorry for everyone who doesn't like it. Maybe I'll try to make it a little easier to read in the sequels, but I don't think it's going away.
0: <laughs> no, I thought it was very endearing. It reminded me very much of um like the Hagrid character in the in the Harry Potter series, you know, Hagrid has his uh th- the way that he speaks. It's not it's not quite as as thick as Mr. Addison's accent, but it gave her it really i think without the accent it, it wouldn't have been the same she was she's very um she's very fringe and she does her own thing and she really does embody that like that feeling of this like very fiery spirited scottish woman so absolutely <laughs> it makes total sense <laughs> i i loved it um yeah
1: because i mean when you need to have a big mentor in life someone who is i mean because again after exploring things for so many years even in my own transition or anything else in the queer community i mean i started off in a place where i was like i have to fit into this exact bubble Mm -hmm. and i wish i had had more people around me who would have been like no just do exactly your own thing and be yourself so that's the character i wrote
0: yeah, and and definitely you like there's there's more role models like that needed. Like Greer is 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 in many ways, um, I don't I don't want to say typical, but in many ways typical because you know they're young, they're learning, they're experiencing things, you know, like they're they're very moldable. And they're very malleable, and they're, they're like a like a lump of clay that can kind of be molded, depending on the the experiences that this character goes through. But Mistress Addison is very solid. She like you you introduce her in a way that she is very she's ready for anything. Like she'll like she is literally. <laughs> I keep seeing like all these memes going around. Like she is literally like fuck around and find out. You know, like <laughs> that's how she is and um
1: pretty much absolutely absolutely.
0: i loved it i loved her fiery spirit it was so good
1: i i just have always felt like we we need more people like that who are just ready to fiercely be themselves because i mean even again when i was younger if i'd had those role models it would have been so much easier to get to the place where i am today so i I wanted a character like that and i mean as the story goes on that'll be something wonderful too and of course we have a main protagonist who and very much learn and grow and do things because i mean that's kind of what you have to do to tell the story but i hopefully they'll also learn some really wonderful things as they go and travel the world as well
0: so i am curious a little bit more about the the world building and things like that um we we get this sense in the book that the the, the witches you know that they're the this grand coven um you as far as we know you can only be a woman to be a witch to use magic um mm-hmm. how much political power do they have in this society because how i interpreted it in the beginning is it seems like you don't fuck with the witches like you don't like you give them their space like they have power literally and you know also politically
1: Absolutely. That's that's somewhat what I was trying to go for, too, to be honest. I There are so many stories where, you know, witches are this fringe side thing. And I'm like, I, I want this to be something where it's very much inequivocally bound into society. These witches essentially protect the kingdom. They do all of this. There's this hint that there are monsters out in the world. Like, you need this magic to keep people safe. And of course, to heal or to do things like that. And of course, we still have our basic things like, you know, knowing some herbalism in medicine is, I mean, that's just a very classic witch kind of a thing to all of my knowledge. So many of the original people who we would call witches were a lot of times medicine people, herbalists, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. But I, I wanted them to essentially have this big pillar where they could essentially assert their control over things and decide if it is their way or this is what we think that's how it goes so we could uh so we could very easily show what happens when they're wrong because unfortunately a lot of people who do put themselves up on this pillar and say, this is how things absolutely have to be. As we see often on social media or anywhere else, or even with other famous authors of certain literature involving witchcraft, (laughs) sometimes people (laughs) decide to put themselves on a pedestal, Uh and they are very wrong. (laughs)
0: Yes, (laughs) that is very, very true. Um, And and another thing that's kind of interesting about the witches having power in this society is that they are... They are women, right? And you don't normally see, um, especially in a, I guess, in a in a fantasy medieval sort of setting, you don't see women being in positions of power that often. And it's incredibly refreshing, even though it seems like the witches maybe have their own stuff to sort out. They might be a little too high and mighty, at least one of the characters that we, we meet in the book. I don't want to give away too much Absolutely. for people. Um, of course. But uh it seems like they have their own issues to deal with. But um it is very cool to see uh to see women in positions of power and calling the shots. Now the Grand Coven, um I don't and I don't know if even you've thought this far ahead how much you've, you know, built of this world, but the Grand Coven, are they the sole ruling body or are they sort of uh they work in conjunction with, you know, whatever uh,
1: essentially, um, yeah. Essentially, in conjunction with the kingdom. Although, believe me, if the witches want something, the kingdom is going to do it. I mean, they control the magic. You right. really want someone who's gonna burn your whole castle down? But like,
0: so they kind of <laughs> give people the <laughs> illusion.
1: Yes, and I, I do have it slightly planned ahead as to the how this happened. That's funnily enough a book three exploit. But there'll essentially be a reason why women end up having a large power structure in society, and it it will hopefully be very interesting for people. I I hope that people will enjoy it because even though technically the Grand Covenant in this particular story are essentially the bad guys, it, I I did like the idea essentially of a we have a very large matriarchal powerhouse in society that we very much have to listen to and is very important in all of our decision making, mm-hmm. like. I, I did like that as a concept, and of course, hopefully, as the stories go on, they will uh, learn some of their lessons and solve some of their own problems.
0: Yes, yeah, some, some of their own hubris that they have about themselves. Um, so
1: Absolutely.
0: Now that you like, we're kind of talking like you're kind of talking about like you know book two and three, and you kind of have ideas for this. I'm curious like, is that usually your writing process? Is it is it usually like are you usually an outliner? Or do you just kind of dump everything on paper? Or is this like a new, or is outlining new for you?
1: See, it really is funny because I, I am definitely what people would call a seat of the pants writer. I You're have pants a very are. basic, there you go. Yes, I have a very basic, this is the beginning of the story, this is the end of the story. Let's see what crazy mishaps happen to get us there. This mm. is the first story where I, after writing this story, which looked like at first it was just like a kind of a short story, and then I saw the, you know, I saw the submission thing and I was like, oh, I could expand this a little further. And then again, people were like, we want more. And my daughter was like, I want a sequel. And I said, okay, if, if I'm going to make this work, I actually have to at least put up some basic goalpost plans. Like most of the things, even though when I'm looking forward into my new book, it's still not planned out that well. Essentially, I know this is a plot point and these are the like two basic things. How do we get there? Or here are these, here are the main characters storyline kind of thing going on in this book. That's it. I have no idea the little the little things that go in between yet. Still working that out. I mean, the next book's being written, of course, but uh we're we're still trying to sort that whole thing out, but I I I've always been the type to be very spontaneous. It's how I end up in situations like being suddenly in a fur suit or some of my other wilder crazy stories in life. And I suppose that translates to writing very often and Usually I get away with it because I I tend to like to write short stories, like very weird and specific themed ones usually too, because sometimes it's hard to market novels with particularly weird things. I had Mm -hmm. a very interesting short story with a non-binary yeah. deity coming out soon but it's, it's oh. hard to sometimes get these things into like a full book so short stories work and I don't always have to worry about oh what is this giant plot hole because well it's only one story I never have to talk about this universe ever again right this time I, I had to think a little bit harder to make sure that I didn't miss anything important so that the next story could actually get told properly without it being a giant mess
0: it's like uh you didn't want your uh you didn't want this to turn into Kingdom Hearts basically cuz I have this theory oh, about oh. the Kingdom Hearts game is that they made the first game and it was cool and then they didn't realize that people liked it so much they didn't realize it would take off so much and they were like oh shit we have to actually create like plot Oh damn. Suddenly
1: whoops, we have a sequel.
0: <laughs> Suddenly need with that need game. 20 games and a mobile game and <laughs> all these things. To have what about that sense?
1: secret mobile game that was only ever released on the one Japanese phone? Oh, they say yeah. it's a canon, but the canon would make sense more with it. Right. I've never understood this Kingdom Hearts canon. I've tried I've tried so hard, and then I learned about that with the creators. Like, this isn't canon. But people are like, if you made this canon, it would make so much more sense. Please. <laughs> it's just like, it's so amusing to see that. But like, yeah, after that first draft came out and we did the first set of edits, essentially, we had the book entirely formatted. And then people, even like some of the early beta readers and stuff, were like, we wanted to see more. And it was like, okay, before we totally send this off, essentially, to get approved on Amazon and do this whole process let's sit down and try to fix this one last time and make sure we didn't miss any important details and i had some fantastic people help with that and so now we actually have a better plan going forward because I, it came to a point where I, I wanted to tell more stories too because, yeah, we look at this universe and we do. We see women using magic. And I, I did not want this to only be a story that would be like just trans-affirming for trans ladies. I mean, trans guys are out there. We have non-binary people, people who are a gender, gender fluid. There are so many different things. And I don't want to just be like, sorry, only the ladies get magic. That just, <laughs> it just didn't feel right in my heart in the end. like, right, like because I want everyone...
0: It's kind of like you're reversing the narrative in a way, you know what I mean? It's almost like, because sometimes that's how people view feminism, right? So sometimes people view feminism as anti-man. So like if you're saying that, oh, well, you know, how like uh, in other stories, only men are wizards, only men can use magic. Well, you're saying in your story, oh, well, you know, only women can use magic. It's kind of like you're just doing the same thing. So you wanted to make sure that, you know, like you had it, you had a plan to for everyone, yeah. basically.
1: Exactly. I wanted to make sure that it was set up so people didn't just think, you know, A, we're forgetting other people, of course. And then just B, it, it creates more adventure for the story. I in general, again, more more teaser than spoiler eventually, but I a lot of things and I've I've seen this on Twitter and many other places lately, we to how colonization or these Eurocentric ideals kind of influenced what gender became in a lot of cultures. Mm-hmm. And I I was hoping to be able to eventually tell through the story how that really wasn't the case for everyone and show people a culture where that really wasn't the case. And of course, their ideas of magic are entirely different because they didn't decide to stifle themselves. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that will make for a good story where we get to talk about other identities and explore other people a lot more. And like I said, the toughest bit is just making sure that uh, we, I can represent people correctly, not just in terms of gender presentation, because I know, I mean, non-binary people can all present in so many different ways, mm-hmm. but, um, like, I don't want people to see a non-binary character and do the thing that many people do and go, Oh, that's woman light. And of uh, course they can yeah. fool, use magic. And I'm like, I, I do not want that. I don't want that like interpretation. Absolutely not. Right. So I, I just want to make sure that we can write that correctly so that people can see it. it really magic and gender is all on a big spectrum everybody
0: <laughs> it it really is and it's so and it's and really why i really wanted to to bring you on this is because your, your book honestly it fits if it it's perfectly into everything that we talk about and granted it's fiction um but it's rooted in truth it's rooted in realities that that we've all faced and witchcraft in its in its history is inherently queer and it is inherently um it's always been a bit fringe it's always been uh of the people you know and usually not of the the rich powerful elite it's just been of the people and what you've kind of shown just this little this little snippet in this story of you know these few characters that you introduce it just really shows that it just shows just they're just people like they're not high born this and that blah 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 they're just people and it's just it's really cool it's really cool to have a story that's just about queer people doing witchcraft and magic and i it was it was it was a great read and i highly recommend um I highly recommend it to anyone who is who is interested either in witchcraft or just anyone who just likes fantasy or whatever it is. It, it's a great read, and I, I think you did a great job. You did a really great job with it.
1: Well, heck, thank you. I mean, <laughs> of course, it's not that that's what I love to hear. I of mean, course. of course, anyone who does listen to this and read it, if you decide you didn't like it, please leave me a negative review. I know that's very hard to believe an author would say that, but I can't get <laughs> better without them. But uh, I. <laughs> A, lo- a large part of that too is, I mean, a, a lot of from what I've understood from witchcraft is, which is one of the things I loved about it is so many people have their own personal practices. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, some a lot of people draw from the past, but a lot of what makes magic comes from yourself, quite literally, mm-hmm. like in what traditions suit you and what fits your needs. And I, you're absolutely right. Witchcraft is so inherently queer in that way as we take what we want from ourselves and make things good for us and to fit for us as people. So it it's just it's such a wonderful theme as it all just scrunches together so well.
0: Mhm. So um when does the book come out?
1: The book is set to release on August 18th and I kept always putting in the caveats as long as corona doesn't stop anything but at this point it really should be out on August 18th. And I can do my big spiel. It's already available for pre-order if you want okay. to get it on Amazon, just looking at what makes a witch. I know a lot of people like other Amazon-esque platforms. Sorry, Weasel does a lot of this stuff through Amazon because the print-by-demand service is just so convenient. And unfortunately for a lot yeah. of authors, Amazon kind of puts us in a crunch. So mm-hmm. it makes things very difficult. That's, but um uh,
0: that's our overlord our our overlord's amazon for you like they're they're terrible they're a terrible evil corporation, and yet <laughs> here we are <laughs> we yeah, still makes- have to do yeah. it because they just make our lives easier <laughs> uh,
1: yeah and, and in general too though if if you have any european listeners i um as, as many people would say, the shipping is incredibly cost prohibitive mm-hmm. um if on to twitter you can find a uh, company called Fusil swarm uh they are a queer book uh, bookseller based out of Germany and they do a lot with furry novels these days cool. and they are working on a pre-order to distribute to Europe and that's going to be ordered directly through us and the printers so <laughs> no no big Amazon in the way of that one really there so it, especially if you're in Europe definitely check them out and of course there'll be the audiobook available wherever we can get it we're hoping Audible and hopefully a few other places we'll, we'll see it's Weasel Press's first time doing an audiobook so oh, we're, wow. we're all in the learning process (laughs)
0: that's cool so how do you how do you feel to be the uh the guinea pig in this uh in this audio book adventure
1: it's kind of fascinating partially Mm -hmm. because i i i have a friend who's been trying to break into voice acting for some time and they've gotten some small bits of work and they when i said i have a book they're like could i read the audio book so a i get to help another person like promote themselves and get their work out there which makes me so happy but then b it we're all like the three of us are sitting in these like emails going so we learned that we have to edit this thing to be this exact way or you have to read the copyrights in this specific way <laughs> and it's been very interesting hammering out details and they, they always say you know when you're an author like eventually you have to learn how to also be a marketer or do everything else i didn't learn know that audio editor was going to be on my list
0: but yeah, it's... I guess. Uh, welcome to being a writer in the uh, in the twenty first century, for sure.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, but anyway, like uh, part of the reason I wanted it was just any other way to get the books in the hands of people. Because I mean, I knew there was no way we could put out a braille version, essentially, with such a True. small press and things like that. And just in general, I know some people have a hard time picking up a book and reading, so an audio book is excellent
0: for them. And what about? Um, I- I'm assuming it's also an ebook as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. We okay. will definitely have an ebook form for everything. That's what we've been sending out to all of our advanced reviewers and people like yourself. So mm-hmm. that will be that'll be available too, which should be awesome. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you want tons more details on the book, I'm at linneacaps.com. I just updated the website. It's very pretty. So <laughs> you know the hey, most yeah. important part of it. again, I, all the hats you end up putting on. Website designer. It was not one I was ready for, but I quickly learned some HTML and Made things work.
0: And <laughs> thank God for newer things like Wix and Squarespace and things like that. Like those templates are actually pretty decent, and you can you can Absolutely. you can throw something decent together in a in a day or two for sure. Yeah, uh, even
1: at work, I mean, you got WordPress themes. Like I mean, oh, you, yeah. can, you can make something work if you've got to. So yeah. with a little bit of help and very basic HTML, we, we threw stuff together, and I'm I'm just hoping that people can read it and enjoy it, especially if you needed like just a happy affirming story. And I should probably mention too, there are are content warnings and things like that at the beginning of the book. Uh, Weasel Press was amazing when I advocated to make sure that no matter who was reading this, they knew what they were getting into reading it. So if you're potentially worried, because we know sometimes queer stories have things that can, like, I, I know a lot of people want happy queer stories where no sad things happen, but there are some sad things in my book. If you're concerned about that, we have it all laid out for you so you don't got to worry about reading stuff. I'm pretty sure the content warnings even show up in the little preview on Amazon. They're Ooh. supposed to anyway. So okay. we tried to set it up. They usually show like the first page or so and the last page or so. We yeah. tried to get them to do that correctly so that they would show the uh, content warnings for everybody. I don't know how it turned out, but you know, because they're Amazon. But we're, we're trying our best to make sure that whoever's reading this can be happy and comfortable.
0: That's awesome. So um, is there anything else that you kind of wanted to mention about the book or there any kind of like closing statements or anything like that Hmm.
1: if not potentially about the book which of course like i mean I, i've been saying this all over the place buy the book share it with people mm-hmm. i mean that's the job as the author but um I, I would say in general as my general closing thing i mentioned earlier i'm the president of the furry writers guild if you like stories that are written about anthropomorphic animals and believe me we have plenty of fantasy and magic abound Check out the Furry Writers Guild. We have a giant list of authors, especially right now, who are losing convention sales as all of our conventions cancel that could really use your support. And believe me, you will find some incredible stories. And if you're a writer yourself, we have tons of free resources to help people, and we want to see you get published. So let us know how we can help you.
0: <laughs> I, I can confirm. The, the Furry Writers Guild is, is an awesome awesome place to go. I lurk on the, the forums, and I'm in the, the telegram and all, too. Um, so it, it is is it, an, is it an it is an incredible resource if you are a writer and also someone just interested in stories and, you know, just reading stories. Um, especially because the the people in the Fairy Writers Guild, they're like I don't want to say they're actual writers. It's a terrible thing to say, but you know what I mean? I guess uh they're not like just the, the average person that just churns out like subpar fan fiction y type stories and just posts them on the internet. You know, like it's a little bit more quality, which is nice. Those. Yeah, and
1: we're always trying to uplift each other and trying mm-hmm. to basically raise each other's craft. It's part of why I wanted to be president. I saw how awesome the guild was, and I'm like, oh, I want to help do that. And now I'm running three different officer positions like you end up doing for any of these things. But <laughs> we just we just wanted to, you know, help out a lot of other people. And and especially again, because we have a lot of furries, there's so many queer stories too. So you'll mm-hmm. probably find something where you'll feel at home reading it if you check out stories from this place.
0: For sure. Um so you mentioned your website linneacaps.com, and where else can uh, people kind of follow you
1: Um, If you want to find me on Twitter, I have two accounts that I tend to frequent. One is um, at literal grill. And yes, that's exactly what you're thinking. A literal grill, the thing you cook on. Um, (laughs) This tends to be, this is like my main account where I mostly talk about myself and do things like that. A lot of, just a lot more about me, but of course I talk about the books too. And I I recently um, started on Twitter as well. Linnea B. Caps as the at. Because this book, as, uh, especially as beta readers and reviews came in, when people said this is very much feels like a great middle grade fiction to young adult potentially story, I realized I need to make sure that I have a place where parents can get a hold of this book. You know, mm-hmm. and not see all of the other furry stuff that they may not necessarily be comfortable with, or just in general. I I don't go very not safe for work on my account, but sometimes we talk about adult queer topics, and right. you know, as a I literally as a mom, these things are important to talk about with your kids. But mm-hmm. you gotta do them in age appropriate steps. So I just wanted to make sure that people had a place, or anyone who is sex averse or anything, if you just want a safer for work way to follow me, that's the place to go.
0: There you go. So if you uh if you want to follow. Uh, linnea but safely at work um you can do so there on that twitter account i'll put all of the links to um your website and twitter and everything like that a uh, link to the book i'll put all of this stuff in the show notes so no one has to no need to to take notes while you're uh, listening to the episode so all this will be available in the show notes and um this is actually going to be the next episode that we post uh, now Ooh, that I'm looking exciting. at the uh, posting schedule. But you said the book comes out the eighteenth, right? The eighteenth of August? Yes,
1: August eighteenth.
0: Yeah, so I wanted to give people time to to really um listen about the book. So yeah, this is gonna be the next uh one that we post. This is actually gonna be our most recent episode.
1: <laughs> See, that's so. gonna be awesome. I honestly can't wait to share it with people. So many people have said, Wait, you're you're doing the you're you're a furry writer. You're actually trying to go on podcasts and talk about your book. And I'm like, like, why haven't any of you tried this? Are you afraid they'll say no because you're a furry? (laughs) So I I can't wait to be able to show people like, you you know, please share your works with the world. Like anthropomorphic animals are something that everyone likes. We've got Zootopia. We've got The Secret of Nim. Like there's no reason to be hiding writing your stories anymore. Show the world.
0: Everyone loves talking animals. I don't know why people sit here and think that they don't like them because everyone loves Zootopia. (laughs) Like I don't know a single person who didn't like that movie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and if you didn't, I mean, like, again, there's the secret of Nim. we got Robin mm-hmm.
0: Hood,
1: Redwall books, like, there's so many things. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: So, God. I just wanted to thank you for, for coming out here on this podcast. It was so awesome to talk to you, and it was so, it was really great to read your book. Um, you've actually gotten me more interested in writing my own stuff again because i saw like it's it's kind of nice when when you when you see a writer and, and you kind of get inspired by their own success and their own work and um so you, you've actually personally like really inspired me to kind of relook at some of my ideas that i've been working on and i don't know it was a it was a good feeling it was a very good feeling and uh this conversation has been has just been really awesome and i'm so glad to have you here on the show
1: well gosh thank you so much honestly i'm crazy happy to hear that if i can help get other people writing who love to write i mean that's that's part of my job as the president but there's a reason i want to do that i know how happy it can make you in life and believe me when you get to your own stories let me know i i won't forget that i got to be on an awesome podcast when you you're if you need any kind of help or anything um i'll make sure to uh get your name out there to whoever you need
0: i appreciate that all right um so we're gonna wrap it up here for everyone um uh you can follow us on all the social medias i'll do that whole spiel at the end little pre-recorded thing for everyone but for now we're gonna say goodbye to linnea and hopefully we will see you on a future episode maybe about the next book
1: Sounds good i to can me. only
0: hope <laughs> <laughs> all right you have a good night okay all right you too bye bye you can find Witchesbetwixt Betwixt on the big three social medias, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our handle is Witchesbetwixt, Betwixt, all one word, on all three platforms. We all check each one, except Twitter, which is exclusively run by me, Jay, but feel free to message us on any of them, and we'll get back to you. If you want to add your post to our online community, use the hashtag WBTWXT. The links to our official Facebook group, Discord server, and website are in the show notes below.